Uh, hopefully they'll all recover quickly and uh, remember them in your, in your prayers. I wanted to um, finish a series that we started uh, back when this whole uh, COVID thing started. I, I spoke on the internet. Unfortunately, it was a terrible experience. I encourage you to not go listen to that. But uh, we had uh, started a, a series on life's problems, raising kids. And this is a series that we did a long time ago, and I kind of revisited this sermon and kind of covered part of it and said I would do the, uh, the next part the next week. But uh, fortunately, we were able to, to meet again and uh, didn't have to do that. I know some of you are expecting to hear Trevor today, and Danny was to fill in for him, and he fell off, so I'm, I'm way down the line, but uh, unfortunately, uh, you get to hear me today. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, life's problems and raising kids. And again, kids are not the problem. It's not the problem. The problem is me knowing how to raise them and raising them correctly. And you may be here this morning, you may think, well, I don't have any kids, you know, this doesn't really affect me. Chances are you're going to someday, or you're going to have grandkids, you're going to have someone, some child that you influence, someone that you're going to uh, have a, a big influence on, and it's important for each and every one of us to think about these things today. I want to fly through the very first part of this very quickly just to catch up on people that uh, did not hear the first part of that series, and um, we talked about children being a great blessing. Children are a great blessing in our life. They're a blessing from God that have been handed down to us, and he entrusts us with them. He entrusts us to train them up in a way that they can return back to him someday, that they'll be ready for their return to him and live their life a godly way that he expects them to. And with blessing that God gives us comes great responsibility. We mentioned that training them up and teaching them in the way that they should go. It's a very important and awesome responsibility that we have as parents or just an influence in any child's life that you probably are in some way, in fashion. So it's a very important and awesome responsibility to bring them up the way God wants them trained to prepare them for the afterlife, for eternity. Teaching and training instruction, very important. We talked about well, what do we teach them? Well, you're responsible for teaching your kid everything from learning how to eat to cleaning themselves up to the scriptures. There's all kinds of anything you can think of in life is something that you need to teach your child. And um, these are things that they need to learn from us and, and, and the proper people that, that are influences in their lives. So these are all things that we've talked about in our first time that we gathered together. Uh, to, and this is the second part of this series. Um, a very difficult problem in this life and knowing how to do that is submission to authority. It's a problem that we see in our world as we see others that we face around us. That, that, but this submission to authority is something that each and every one of us needs to know. It's something that's very important for your child to understand and to learn. Authority is the right to give instructions and require obedience. That authority has been given to you by God, and it's very important to Him, and it should be very important to us. So the proper use of this authority and submission to it is a very key element in raising children, that they learn and understand these principles of submission and obedience or this uh, um, submission to authority, authorities in their life. We see this scripture here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Eli had heard about his boys and, and heard that they were very vile. They were very vain. They were full of sin. They were bad. They were bad kids. And they were helping with the services of the 
tabernacle at that time, and he had heard about them, that they were laying with some of the women that would come and stay outside the tabernacle. They were causing the children of Israel to sin. They were doing very vain things and turning people away from God. These were men of God that were supposed to be helping people understand and keep the sacrifices and all the law, and they were driving people away from that. As Eli heard about that, he did address his, his boys and said, look, who, who's going to make sacrifice for you? You guys shouldn't be acting like this. But the word says in 2 Samuel chapter 2 that they didn't hearken to his voice. They didn't listen to him. And they went on about doing their own thing and their own business. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, well, the Lord makes this proclamation against Eli and his household that he's going to judge his house because Eli knows the iniquity that's going on because his sons made themselves vile. They're caught up in sin, and he's not doing anything about it. He restrained them not. He didn't teach them about authority. He didn't teach them about submission to this authority, and it became a problem to all the children of Israel in their life. Eli didn't enforce the rules. He didn't control his sons. He didn't require them to obey as he was told to by God. And it became a problem for everyone, didn't they? In, Gen in Deuteronomy chapter 21, uh, there was a concession made for rebellious children. As they reached a certain age and they, they wouldn't obey their children, they recognized they were doing wrong, but they decided to be rebellious, they could take them outside of the city and stone them to death. A rebellious child. One that wouldn't allow themselves to be restrained. And I'm not talking about a small kid. I'm talking about one that understood and recognized and the parents tried over and over and they continued to rebel and would not obey, would not submit to authority. There was a concession made for that. You know, one of the stories that we hear about our Lord, really the only story in Luke chapter two that we know about Jesus as he was a child, he was about 12 years old. He was left behind in Jerusalem by his family as they traveled there to worship. And what happened? As he laid behind, or he stayed behind, and his family went home, really didn't realize that he wasn't with them. It was three days later that they found him in the temple, talking with the doctors and lawyers, hearing them and asking them questions, and they were all astonished at his understanding at such a young age. But his mother, as he spoke to Jesus, said, why have you done this to us? Don't you know we've been worried about you? And what did he do? He submitted to the authority of his parents. He said, don't you know I need to be about my father's business, talking about God, but he submitted to their authority. The importance of that, the importance of that to our Lord and how he did that with his own parents. You know, someone has to be in charge. Someone has to be the enforcer of the rules in, in the family home, in the family unit. And God has given that authority to the parents. Now, when the, the children in our home don't see us submitting to one another, the Bible talks about husbands submitting to wives and wives submitting to husbands. When they don't see that in your life, it makes it much harder, don't it? It makes it much harder as we try to raise up our own children. They don't see that authority and submission in our own lives. So one way we can do that is, is doing what God's Word tells us to do. People are so insistent, especially in our nation, I'm a red-blooded American. I want to do things my own way. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I don't want any type of restrictions and rules. That's part of being free, part of being, having freedom, isn't it, we think, in our lives. 
We don't want anybody telling us what to do. And with this in mind, a lot of modern um, psychologists, modern society, um, modern thought processes will tell you, well, look, you don't have the authority in your home. You need to, as a matter of fact, even go to the, to the extreme of making an agreement with your kids. When they get to be of a certain age, well, you need to mutually agree on how you're going to deal with conflict, how you're going to deal with trouble. How's that going to work out for you? <laughs> well, I think I need to be punished by eating a bag of cookies. I think that'll do it today. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't work, does it? Of course, that's not going to be uh, something that you can mutually agree upon, especially if you're the recipient of the punishment, is it? Uh, that, that doesn't work that way. God has given the authority to the parents. As a result, many children have uh, become the predominant characters or influence in the home in that way. Parents are scared. They're worried about if they, if they try to um, tell their child exactly what to do, well, they're going to rebel. They're going to run away. They're going to get into drugs. Um, all these things that society may tell you, they're going to be taken away by some government agency, and people get worried about those things. But as a result, well, many children have fooled their parents or society has allowed children to fool their parents in that way. I remember one time when um, Lane was young, he was old enough to, to know better, and we were kind of joking around. But he said, I'm going to call CPS on you. You just spank me all the time, I'm going to call CPS. And I said, I don't care if you call 1-800-BEATA-KID. I'm going to spank you as I'm supposed to spank you, as I'm told. And don't get me wrong, I'm not for abuse. I'm, not, I'm for spanking as it's supposed to be done and not hurting a child. Don't get me wrong in any way. Uh, that's, that's not what we're seeing this morning. Our children knew that, and I've, I've seen as, as a bunch of you, kids in the audience have grown up and, and different ones and how different parents interact and raise their children and, uh, and how that happens. I remember as, as our children were young, when you went out back, when we took our kids out back uh, at church or they were misbehaving or they decided they needed to go to the bathroom during church or whatever, it was an event that uh, you were going to remember if, if, <laughs> if we went out back. Okay? If you were misbehaving, uh, you were going to get, get in trouble. You were going to get spanking. If you said you needed to go to the bathroom, you better produce at least a drop. <laughs> you, better, you better produce something. Are you going to get a spanking? <laughs> so our children knew that. And I'm not saying that I'm any expert. I'm not saying we did everything right. Uh, we did a lot of things wrong. And maybe that's why I'm qualified to be up here talking, talking about it this morning. We learned a lot through the things that we did. My wife was a good parent, and I just kind of followed along and uh, tried to do, do my best and, and, uh, as I followed her lead. <laughs> You know, a lot of us think we don't want our children to rebel or reject us, so we let them have their way. We just let them do what they want or have their way. And what are we teaching them when we do that? When I let them have their way and I'm not teaching them submission to authority, I'm teaching them rebellion. That's really what the message that they're getting. Well, you rebel, you just do what you want. You don't have to submit to anyone. You know, our children need to understand and to know, and we all are going to have to learn that lesson at some point in life, even someone who's not taught submission to authority. At some point, you have to submit to someone. Number one, you've got to submit to God. 
at some point. You're going to have to submit to him. You're going to have to submit at school. When you go to school, you have to submit to the rules. You're going to get sent to the office. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get expelled. All these different aspects of respecting authority, obedience to authority, are set up in line that you learn how to obey and how to not rebel. So you need that lesson of submission to authority has got to be taught by us as parents to our children. We're the first line in teaching them that. If you do not restrain your children, but let them manipulate you and evade your authority, they're most likely going to grow up and disrespect God and His authority and His rules. There's rules that He wants us to obey and follow after. And they need to understand and recognize that, or they're going to be just like Eli's sons because he didn't restrain them. He didn't teach them what was right. Or he left them to themselves, and they brought shame upon their family and upon the children of Israel. God will hold us accountable for how we raise our children, just like he did Eli. So see how important this is, that we teach them this awesome principle? Respect for authority requires obedience. Respecting authority or submission to authority requires obedience. Parents, we're trying to raise godly kids, as we mentioned in the beginning. The ultimate goal of our authority is to teach our children to respect God's authority. And again, we're the front line on that. Teaching them the the principles of obeying and submitting to us will teach them to uh, submit and obey to God. They're going to have to submit to someone, and they need to learn that from you. Let me ask you a question, those of you that have kids. Do your children, how do they obey you? Do they obey you promptly? Do they obey you right when you ask them to do it? You know, that's how I want to obey God. I want to obey Him exactly how He wants me to. I want to see His Word and recognize changes that I need to make in my life, and then I want to make those. So how do your children obey you? I need to teach them that process of obedience and immediate obedience. Do they evade my authority? Do they complain and whine and moan when I give them some type of instruction? Well, then I might need to still work on some obedience training in that way and teaching them. Um, Do they obey you exactly? Or, yeah, you know, he told me to do this, so I'm going to halfway do it, and just enough to get by with. Do we allow that? If, they, if so, we've still got work to do. Children must submit and obey, and don't allow them to tell you no. You know, one of the first words that your kid's going to learn and say to you is no. And at some point, you ain't going to like it <laughs> when they tell you no. You cannot allow them to rebel against you and cannot allow them to say no. God says it's your job to teach them. Now, I know of a, of some, of a family that said, we're not going to make our kids go to church. We're not going to force them to go to church because we don't want them to grow up resenting the church. Well, I don't know that force maybe is the right word, but as we teach our children as they're around us, if we're teaching them and training them up and instructing them in the way that they should go, as the Scriptures talk about, there's no way that they're not going to pick up on that 
look, you're going to go to church. We force them to do other things. We force our kids to brush your teeth. I remember not wanting to brush my teeth when I was a kid. You probably do too. We force them to do that. We make them do it. Force them to go to school. I don't want to go to school today. Well, too bad. Get up and go. You've got to go to school. We force them to do those things. We're not going to force them to go to school because we don't want them to resent education later on. That doesn't make any sense, does it? And some people might say, well, I don't want to indoctrinate my child. They've got to make their own decisions and own decision about God. And that is, that's true. You know, at some point, they're going to have to make a decision in their life whether they're going to obey God, submit to His authority, obey His plan of salvation or not. And I can't do that for them. As bad as I might want to, you can't do that for your own kid. But you do have to teach them and train them up so they know all these things, so they will submit to His authority and know His plan of salvation, know what His Word says and follow after it. So, how do I keep from indoctrinating my child? Well, you don't. You need to indoctrinate them in the Word of God. Obviously, that's something that they need and what we need to do. And if you don't indoctrinate them, guess who will? Satan will, won't he? He's going to put temptations. He's going to put influences in front of them, whether you teach or train them in what's right or not. So why don't we train them and teach them what's coming and what's wrong and what's, what's right so they'll make the right decisions, so they'll know which way to turn when they get older. These are all things that, that we need to understand and emphasize there's consequences for not obeying the Lord's commands, just like there was consequences to Eli and his family. Now, what do I do when Junior doesn't want to obey my rules? He doesn't want to submit to authority. Well, there's correction and motivation. Here's motivation and here's correction. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, again, spanking done correctly and rightly is an act of love. The Scriptures teach that very, very clearly. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 24, He that spareth his rod and hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That betimes means promptly and as needed, often as needed. If you love your child... You're going to discipline them. You're going to teach them these things we're talking about this morning. Respect and obedience, submission to authority. Look, we all prefer to not spank our kids. It's not fun disciplining and spanking your children. It's not, it's not enjoyable. But there are times that nothing drives the point home like a simple spanking. Driving the point home. Proverbs twenty two fifteen foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it from him. Often the child's will conflicts with ours, and we've got to use motivation and correction, don't we? How are we going to motivate them? How are we going to correct them? Properly done, there's great value in spanking. There's great value in that. There's a fundamental problem in modern psychology. And modern psychology doesn't put any guilt, emphasis on guilt. Proverbs 20 and verse number 30 
talks about blows that hurt, cleanse away evil, as do stripes, the inner depths of the heart. What are we driving at here? A heart that would follow after God. A heart that would follow after Him. We're trying to mold a heart into making it what God wants it to be. And motivation through correction and discipline is one way to do that. You're not guaranteed success just because you occasionally spank your child, though. There's got to be some consistency, and there's got to be diligence along with that. And it must be in connection with love and instruction and rewards. I want you to think for a minute about maybe you've seen uh, a bird dog and how well that they're trained, and if, if, if they're one of the good bird dogs you see on the Internet or something like that. Think about how they're trained. Well, how do they get this dog to do exactly what they want it to do and not go get this bird, but go get this bird over here? How do they make that happen? Well, they do that through uh, discipline, don't they? Through obedience training. And obedience training is something that we need to do in our homes. As we teach that dog to go get this specific bird or do whatever specific command that we want, a lot of times shock collars are used on that, aren't they? So it's a temporary discomfort that's given to the dog to make him perform a certain task or obey in a certain way. And I'm not saying to use a shock collar on your kid. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Spanking is a temporary discomfort that is helpful in motivating your kid to obey, to submit to authority, isn't it? God has set that up in that way, and it, again, it is an act of love. Proper training needs to begin very early. You know, we spanked our kids when they were very young. I don't have a magic age for that to tell you exactly when to start that. Kids know a lot more than what you think they do. <laughs> when they're very young, they can show that they are uh, misbehaving and can behave, and you can spat them on the leg or whatever you decide to do, and they can learn lessons when they're very, very young. But that proper training, when they're very young, will prevent you or save you from a lot of trouble when they get a little bit older. If you'll spank them and discipline them and be diligent and consistent in doing that when they're young, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of trouble when they get older. You know, I remember a time when I would come home from work and Cheryl would say, one of the kids misbehaving, you need to get in there and spank them. I'm like, I just got home. I got to go in there and spank the kid. I felt like all I did almost was spank the kids all the time. And it was discouraging in many ways, and, but it, it needed to be done. And you've got to be diligent and you've got to be consistent with it. And when you do, guess what happens? You suffer through that for a year or two and you're going to give a lot less spankings later on. That's a truth that you need to remember and you need to implement in your home as you have kids. It's going to save you a lot of time and effort and trouble and with your kids too. A reasoning with a child is, is also important. And we talked about teaching them lessons and, and sitting down and, and telling them about the proper thing that they need to do and what is right and what is wrong. But reasoning also, especially when a kid is very young, has its proper place and, and sometimes it's not that effective. I remember when my kids, or when we were at my parents' house with my kids and my 
sister's kids at Christmas time and things like that, that, uh, you know, they would get in trouble. They were a little younger than our kids, and I would sit and watch them and how she would respond and react to them when they were in trouble. She would sit them down and talk to them for 10 minutes about misbehaving, and they're like, okay, you know, she's going to ramble on here for a while, and they weren't listening, they weren't paying any attention, and the um, behavior continued until they finally did what? Until they spanked them. You see, if you just start with it, chasing them behind to time, but times promptly and as needed and often, I'm going to save you, myself a whole bunch of trouble. And that's probably where it's headed anyway. So if I'll just start there and get it over with quickly. An undisciplined child, we, we talk, or you hear about this violence. You know, well, disciplined children, they're the ones that are, are violent. You know, they, they're taught and learn uh, beating and hitting others and all this thing. But it really, when you start looking at that, it's the child that's not disciplined that's the one that tends to be violent, isn't it? Because the one that is disciplined knows he's going to get in trouble when he acts in violence, isn't he? God rewards those who diligently. Hebrews 11, verse number 6. Have you ever offered your kid a reward to stop misbehaving? If you'll just behave here in the store, quit, quit screaming, quit being crazy in Walmart, I'll buy you this toy if you'll just be quiet. You ever done that? We, we did that. What am I teaching my kid? What are you teaching your kid when you do that? Well, if you rebel, if you throw a fit, Mama going to buy me a toy. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and the next time they're going to be even worse, isn't it? Have you ever bailed your kid out when they did something wrong and you bailed them out of trouble? And sometimes we do that. It depends on the circumstances in place. But I remember a time when, when uh, Cheryl went to pick Lane up from school and the teacher called, called her in and said, you know, uh, your son was cheating on his spelling test today. He's very young in elementary school. Caught him cheating on his test. And, of course, Cheryl started chewing him out, made him apologize to the teacher. And she's like, oh, it's okay. And she's like, no, it's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay at all that he cheated on his test. And we need to do whatever you need to do to make this right in the grade book, and we're going to make it right when we get home. <laughs> you see, discipline required. Have you ever tried to yell your kids into obedience? <laughs> well, of course we all have. It's using words to try to motivate action. We've done it time and time again, just yelling at them and telling them over and over, you do that one more time and I'm going to spank you. One more time, I'm going to spank you. And finally we get to that point where we've had enough and we spank them. When if we would have just done that, but times when we would have got it over with and done what we were supposed to do right up front, we would have saved all of us a whole bunch of trouble and a whole bunch of frustration right off the bat. And I'm not saying that you've got to spank every time your kid misbehaves a little bit. There are different ways that you can motivate, that you can teach a kid and, and train them. Different things work with different kids. I remember a time when uh, Jensie said a bad word and we washed her mouth out with soap and it was almost hilarious to watch her reaction to that. She spit and sputtered and spewed for, forever. 
you could do the same thing to Lane, and he'd just eat it. Didn't bother him a bit. <laughs> There's different types of reaction by different kids, and you've got to work on that depending on the, the child and what it takes to motivate them and to correct them. So that's maybe why it's so difficult, because this works with this kid, but it don't work with this kid. <laughs> There's not a black and white cookbook that you can use, and it works with every child every time. So that makes it difficult. Don't judge your effectiveness either on how much your child cries or fusses or, or throws a fit. Some parents spank hard enough to cause crying, but not hard enough to cause obedience. The goal is obedience, isn't it? They give little smacks or a little hit on the arm that wouldn't, wouldn't hurt anybody. And it didn't get the desired effect. If you don't get the desired effect, your job isn't done yet. They haven't learned the lesson of submission and obedience, have they? Use punishment, punishment that produces the required obedience. I remember, many of you know Jared Wells. Remember them when they uh, first were, uh, had their first child and they, they grew up here and um, they moved off to Oklahoma for a while. They're back in Plainview now. But one thing I remember about Jared, man, that dude could snap loud. <laughs> Ty could be across the room, boom, he would snap. And Ty's like, he would look at him immediately and then he would point at him and he'd like, okay. He knew exactly what was going on. Jensie was that way. I could look at Jensie across the room and give her the right kind of look and the right kind of eye and make her cry. And I could probably do it still today. <laughs> She would do it. I'd look at her, and she knew I was mad and upset. She was not doing something right, and she would cry, and she would change behavior. So, again, you don't always have to use spanking every time, but you need to find out what works. What works for that kid? What gets the desired um, respect for authority and obedience? And follow through. There's some, at some point in time, there's probably going to come a time when your kid's going to rebel against you. And they're going to put their will against your will. The Bible calls that stiff-necked. Stiff-necked. And what, what do you do in that situation when they're saying, I'm, he's telling me what to do, but I ain't going to do it. I've spanked him four times and he still hadn't done it yet. You cannot allow your, ch your child to win that battle. You've got to stand firm and show him that it doesn't matter. I'm going to win. You're not going to tell me no. And it's difficult. It's, it takes consistency. It takes work. It takes effort. It's hard. It's not fun. But it pays off in the end if you'll stand firm. Another thing that's very important after discipline is reassurance of forgiveness. I remember my dad as... Um, he would spank me and basically send me to my room afterwards and he would come in after a little while and he would hug me and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to do that. I didn't, you know, you could tell that he was sorry. He didn't enjoy spanking me. I knew that he loved me. I knew that he carried, cared about me. And he loved me enough to discipline me to make me do what was right. And that's the goal for each and every one of us parents, that we would discipline our child so they would submit, they would obey, they would know what was right, that they would obey God. 
It's important for us to teach our child about forgiveness. And that's only available through Jesus Christ and the plan that he's established. I remember uh, studying with Jency when she was very young. And when it finally popped in her mind, when she finally realized um, about committing sin, she's starting to get a little bit older. She started realizing what sin was and that it's wrong and um, where sin makes you go <laughs> to the bad place. And she's like, if you commit one sin, you go there? You go to hell? It's like, there's a wage that must be paid for sin, the Bible says, and that wage is death. Jesus has paid that price for us. You can accept his payment for that, or you can try to pay it yourself. Really no choice. Really no choice, is there? Reassurance of forgiveness. It's important to talk to a a child and that they recognize after discipline that we're not rejecting them, that we don't hate them. We do reject their conduct, but that needs to become clear that, look, um, I'm taking time to hold you. I care about you. I want you to know that this was wrong and that I've got to spank you because I want you to submit to authority. Jesus, or, or I say Jesus, God teaches that, us that Principle very early on in the scriptures, Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel story. When you do right, things are going to be all right. <laughs> but when you do wrong, sin lies at the door and its desires for you to have you. And that's what happened to Cain, wasn't it? His countenance fell. When we do right, we'll be accepted. When we don't do right, we'll be rejected. Pray for your child. Pray for your child to do right. And as we sit down with our children, we need to pray with them and for them and teach them to, um, can't find the word right now, to uh, confess their sins. Confess their sins to God. And to be sorry for those things that they've done. Praying with kids and teaching them how to confess their sins is very important. And finally, consistency. We've talked about this briefly, but consistency is so important. It's defined as steadfast adherence to principles. We must consistently apply these things and continually apply these without variation. You can't be wishy-washy in your raising of the kids. And it's very difficult. It's time-consuming. It's hard not to be because we don't want to spank our kids. We don't want to discipline them all the time, and sometimes parents disagree about the discipline process. Sometimes one wants to be more coddling and not, not um, be them, see them be involved in discipline, so they want dad or whoever to handle all that. It's something that you need to agree with and talk about. We use that in part of our marriage counseling studies, and that you need to talk about these things before you have kids. You don't just do it when it's, it's time to do it. You've got to think about it before. Plan ahead and integrate and make plans of what you're going to do. And that plan may change, but you need to have a plan on what you're going to do in raising your kids and agree on those principles. Follow the Bible plan for authority in the home. We talked about that in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands submitting to wives, wives submitting to husbands. But God has set it up. What are you going to do when you can't make a decision? 
Not everything's black and white like we talked about. So what happens when we sit down, mom and dad, and we can't make a decision? Father is given the authority. Somebody's got to be in charge. Someone's got to be an enforcer. Somebody's got to make the final decision. And God has set that authority with the husband. When things are gray, what are we going to do when we can't agree? Consistency between our words and our deeds. We've got to stick with, to the same principles both in what we do compared to what we say we will do. This is especially important in rules and how we make and enforce those rules. We need to tell our children what we're going to do, what they're going to do, and we need to enforce that. Again, we've talked about telling them over and over, oh, you better not do that, you better not do that. Then there's no consistency because I'm not following through on what I say I'm going to do. So how can we be more consistent? What is something that can help us on being consistent in that way? There was a chart that was made. It was shown to us by some friends of ours in Dallas. When our kids were little bitty, they had used it with some of their kids, and it was effective and good for them. It's called the if-then chart. You can find it on the Internet. You can make your own. Basically, it has what the offense is, <laughs> what the sin is, the problem is, for example, lying, and then there's a column in the middle. Lying is an abomination to, to the Lord. He, he hates it. He doesn't like that. And then the next column, this is what you get when you lie. And you can put two little wooden spoons there, whatever your form of, of punishment was. Okay, you lied. You can take your kid to the refrigerator. was where they had theirs hanging. Okay, you told a lie. What does this say? It says when you lie, that's not what God wants you to do, and that's not what mom and daddy wants you to do. So what's going to happen? You're going to get two spats with a spoon. You see, it helps you be more consistent on what you say you're going to do. That can be a helpful uh, hint, be a helpful thing in, in, in your home. It may help you be more consistent on what you say you're going to do and what you do, because they can see it, they know what's coming. Consistency between circumstances. You ever let your uh, uh, discipline uh, get away with your mood? <laughs> We've all done that. I've had a bad day at work. Boy, they may not get away with anything today. <laughs> they may have got away with it yesterday, but now I'm mad. Things aren't going my way, so, boy, I'm going to chew you up quick today. And that inconsistency, the kids see that. Well, Dad's mad today, you know. <laughs> that. They need to see consistency in my life. Today, the child is punished severely for doing the same thing he was doing uh, yesterday that I didn't punish him for. And they see that that's not fair and that's inconsistent. So again, consistency is key in working and doing all these things. It's the key that ties all these other principles together that we've talked about today. We must be consistent in applying the principles we have studied. And finally, as we conclude this morning, again, it's an awesome responsibility to raise kids. It's not easy. It's difficult. And our goal is to raise godly children and to get them back to God. They're on loan to us from God, and the goal is to teach and to train and instruct them to submit and obey to authority so they can return back to God and be with Him eternally. Awesome responsibility. Not easy. Takes work, takes consistency, and takes effort. But so many problems can be avoided by practicing God's Word 
in his teachings like he wants us to do. I hope that some things that we've mentioned this morning have, have helped you and will help you as you train up your children in the way that they should go, instruct them in righteousness. If church is here for you this morning, if there's anything we can do for you, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing together.